the Society of Nuclear Medicine and Molecular Imaging welcomes you to the premiere episode of the SNMMI podcast series. This new series focuses on deep dives into hot topics for nuclear medicine and molecular imaging professionals, featuring findings and anecdotes from some of the preeminent thought leaders in our profession. Welcome to the SNMMI podcast series. I am Dr. Heather Jacin, SNMMI's Scientific Program Chair. Joining me today is the world-renowned oncologist and researcher, Dr. Elizabeth DeVries, Professor of Medical Oncology at the University Medical Center Groningen in Groningen, the Netherlands, and our 2022 annual meeting, Henry N. Wagner, Jr., MD, lecturer. Dr. DeVries, thank you for joining me for today's podcast. I'm looking forward to a possible glimpse of your upcoming presentation. Thank you so much for your kind words, Heather. Um, let's get started. I had a couple questions for you. Your Wagner lecture is entitled, Seeing the Light with Molecular Imaging for Systemic Cancer Treatment Decisions. I know that you rely extensively on imaging in your research and practice. Can you talk a bit about how the evolution of imaging has changed the practice of oncology and by extension patient outcomes? In my research at the moment, I focus on how molecular imaging, especially PET imaging, can provide insight for optimal use of cancer medicine. There is an increasing option with whole body imaging to visualize targets for medicines or a fact that these medicines induce. And this next to biopsies, we, which we oncologists use to make treatment decisions, also provides insight in, in whole body distribution of the target. And, and hopefully in the near future, this will help for patient selection and treatment decisions. And I think that it's really interesting that you are already using this approach as nuclear medicine physicians. So you use it for lutetium dotate and lutetium PSMA decisions, first to scan and then make the decisions. I think that but what is really special about whole body information is this insight in heterogeneity across lesions in tracer, in tracer uptake. And, and I hope that we are going to get in the near future trials that, that take this into account. So studies where you, for example, administer a certain medicine for the 10 lesions the patient had and, for example, radiotherapy for another lesion that didn't show any uptake of the medicine. I, I think there, there is a step at the approved fluoroestradiol uh, F18 for the use with PET imaging and, the, and to visualize uh, uptake uh, by the estrogen receptor positive lesions. And, and this week we just published a paper in a Journal of Clinical Oncology where we uh, have taken a long time to do a rather robust study in 200 patients where we have the feeling that we see a very high di diagnostic accuracy of, of qualitative assessment of this whole body FASPAT and it really seems to be a valid alternative to a biopsy of a metastasis to determine estrogen receptor status in, in newly diagnosed metastatic breast cancer patients. So we're, we're probably getting there. It looks like it. For my Wagner lecture, I will especially focus on imaging with antibodies because newly developed antibodies have brought a, a wealth of new medicines in oncology. 
think about immunotherapy with immune checkpoint inhibitors, but at the moment, for example, also very novel antibody drug conjugates, where the antibody brings the toxic payload to the target. That's really interesting. I have one question since you brought up the FES, which is I think that your group has been one of the most successful at using so you mentioned we use the imaging in the US for when we have a radio ligand ready to treat the patient, but we haven't yet gotten that far with agents like FES, where we don't have a therapeutic that's radioactive, but one that could buy, that could tell us which non-radioactive drug to use. And I feel like your group has been really successful in maybe implementing those types of imaging agents not tied to radioactive agents. And what do you think we have to do to kind of, I feel like we're at that tipping point, but what do you think we have to do to get over the tipping point more globally? So overall, I'm convinced that the nuclear medicine physicians and the medical oncologists have to perform clinical trials together as soon as possible. As you see that there is the potential to to have impact in treatment decisions for patients. And that's hard work. I mean, you, you have to be sure that you all do it the same way in the different centers. You have to get a grant to, to have money to do the study, etc. And then you have to do the really detailed analysis. So for this recent uh, PESPET paper, we uh, did a study in the Netherlands and we accrued patients in four centers, uh, 200 newly diagnosed patients. It, it was hard work. The analysis was a lot of work. Yeah, the yield is huge and, and the answers are so much bigger than when we all do small studies. So I hope that we get there and that it will also be easier to get money to do that kind of studies together. And, and that could be US and Europe together, et cetera. That makes a lot of sense. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges right now in the diagnosis and treatment of cancer? What is nice in oncology is that we have novel opportunities to treat patients and, and they're impactful. It's not just a bit changes, but it's certain tumor huge changes. And, and we increasingly try to better personalize the treatment. So we try to treat patients based on, on tumor characteristics. And, and we, we hope that we better select patients for treatment, can avoid toxicity for those who benefit anyway. And I really hope that molecular imaging here can contribute. This episode of the SNMMI podcast series is brought to you by the SNMMI Value Initiative. Visit valueinitiative.snmmi.org to learn how SNMMI is providing the strategic vision to elevate the crucial role of nuclear medicine, molecular imaging, and radiopharmaceutical therapy to the medical community, regulators, patients, and the public. That's valueinitiative.snmmi.org. You mentioned the how challenging the analysis was in your FES PET study. Do you think that there's any role for artificial intelligence in helping with that kind of analysis in the future? And are have you applied any AI um, in that setting in any of your research and your practice? It would be really nice if quantification, for example, would 
be a lot easier in the near future for all of us uh, because having quantitative data may really increase uh, your your insight and make it easier to to analyze what fascinates me artificial intelligence is basically this issue that as oncologists nowadays we get so many data from imaging and and we can get much more data from the images as you know the best uh, than than what we use at the moment but in addition we get dna analysis we get rna analysis and it's just impossible as an oncologist to integrate all the data and make a decision. And I think here, but we again will have to do proper studies. But if we accept that it may not be one approach or PET imaging or CT DNA or, or whatever, but if we could combine them in a smart way, that might enhance the impact of what we are doing uh, as well. So yes, we, we are trying to work on that kind of approaches. I know that there are some studies, especially through the cooperative groups in the United States, where they are starting to collect a lot of the imaging studies and they are starting to collect more of the blood-based markers to see how we could potentially... That, very nice. Maybe the molecular markers could perhaps tell us when we should image as opposed to imaging somebody every three months. I think that would be really very interesting. From your perspective as an oncologist, what would you like to see in future imaging technologies? One of the things we noticed when we analyzed the radiation burden in patients that do well on clinical trials, so they do better probably than we initially have thought. We have had that kind of studies with immune checkpoint inhibitors. Patients keep on going and maybe they're even cured. And then in the, in the standard protocol, we do endless CT scans, um, which is a lot of radiation burden, especially if you, you may have cured your patient. So I think one of the things we have to do is in, in the several specialties, really start to think about what are we doing? Is it meaningful when we are doing it? What is the radiation burden? And how can we think about reducing it? Now, I, I have the true pleasure at the moment that we have a total body PET scanner uh, since a few months um, at our site. It's amazing how it, it allows to reduce imaging time, how you can use less radioactivity. And, and what fascinates me is that as soon as you see that, that this is changing, then you also immediately get new ideas how you could use this technology where where in the past you you thought it was not well not doable not realistic to do approaches for example in patients that don't have cancer or, or whatever it opens a lot of opportunities i think do you think that that total body pet scan one thing that's always kind of interested me is this idea that you know we have fat FESPET, we have FDG, and a lot of people may say, well, we should do both tracers and, you know, in all patients, and then it's the combination of these different tracers that could help us look at heterogeneity. Do you think a total body PET scanner, but with reducing the dose and the time might be a way that we would be able to? to Absolutely. I think that would be exciting because right now in the U.S., it's very hard to get more than one trace. You know, patients have to come back twice. There's double the time. There's reimbursement issues. But that would be, I think, also really interesting um, way of using that scanner. This seems like also a really great opportunity 
or time in nuclear medicine and oncology to really try to engage the next generation of molecular imagers and oncologists and how any ideas about how we really uh, help them to foster these collaborations that are going to be so important to develop the trials and changes in practice as we try and move forward. What I found interesting is that um, Wagner was also trained as an intimist. So I thought he had it all, he got it all in his training. Uh, so I, I think when you do internal medicine and medical oncology, you're you're very interested in in the mechanism and, and why it would work and why it would not work. If we can infect the nuclear medicine physicians and the radiologists a bit in this excitement about mechanisms that you want to know, I think that will help so you get also a bit of yeah, the joy of what we see now in oncology. I mean, it's far from perfect, but it's changing. And and that's a very nice period now to work in. I think in general, if you get the opportunity to do trials together, then you learn from each other. I mean, I all the time, I learn a lot from nuclear medicine physicians, and, and I hope they also learn a bit from me. And, and it's, it's nicer, and it may be easier to make impactful traces. I agree with you. I find that some of the most rewarding projects I've worked on is when we're partners and we're working really hand in hand to figure out what to do and how how best to do it. Um, those are really rewarding um, experiences. Finally, I guess, if you could tell the nuclear medicine and molecular imaging community anything, what would it be? So I also hope in my lecture that I, I indicated I have the feeling we that oncology is exciting at the moment with a lot of new drugs, a lot of opportunities, and a lot of yeah, opportunities to, to improve the, the future for patients, that I think that molecular imaging might help to select patients, but that, that oncologists are so used to randomized studies, proving what you're doing, and only then incorporating it. So, so I think we have to work together internationally and, and across disciplines, do nice studies and try to see where, where we have impact for patients. I'd really like to give you a special thanks again um, for taking the time this morning to talk with me uh, and for this wonderful discussion. And of course, I want to thank everyone uh, who tuned in for this SNMMI podcast. We look forward to seeing everyone in Vancouver or virtually at the uh, SNMMI 22 uh, annual meeting. Thanks, everyone. This has been SNMMI podcast series. Keep an eye out for future episodes where we'll continue to tackle hot button issues in the nuclear medicine and molecular imaging profession. Thanks for listening.